Let's open our Bibles. To Genesis chapter 43, we'll read just one verse, verse 14. Genesis 43, verse 14. Genesis chapter 43, verse 14. Amen. Genesis 43, verse 14. I read. And God Almighty give you mercy before man. Only a few people said amen to that. Amen. I say, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man. Amen. That he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. He said, and that's the part I want us to take note of. What Jacob said last. He said what? If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. We are continuing our discussion of the topic, to the place of total surrender to God. The place of total surrender to who? To God. Last week, we highlighted upon the fact that when you surrender, you cease to struggle. You are no longer pushing back. You say, well, if that is it, like uh, 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 has been said before, God has spoken, I have heard it, so it is. It doesn't matter how it looks. And we looked at the story of Esther. And we, we, we looked at the place of total surrender. We said total surrender gives victory. And how did we arrive at that, uh, that conclusion concerning Esther? Because until Esther made that statement that I will go before the king. I will petition the king. Even though if I don't find favor before the king, what will happen? It is death. And then she said, if I perish, I perish. But did she perish? Did she perish? She did not perish. But because she went before the Lord in total surrender, she was the one that ensured that her people were not destroyed. And look at what, what uh, uh, Brother Jacob said here. He said, if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Was he bereaved of any of his children? All the children of Jacob outlived him. Even the one whom he thought had died many years ago. But he had to get to that place of total surrender. For him to realize that it, is, is, it was his lack of surrender that was hindering the move of God. And that's what somebody here today needs to take note of. Yes, you are a Christian. You are, you are a so-so Christian. If you know what I mean by that. You want God to do it, but you want to do it your own way. And so long as you want God to do it, and you want to do things your own way, God continues to look at you. It's not because he cannot do it. The Bible says, behold, the Lord's hands are not what? They are not short. They are not short. We said he's the omnipresent God. He's present everywhere. There's no place he's, where he is not present. But when we don't totally surrender to him, we prevent him from operating in our lives and in our situations. Somebody was talking about, uh, said, if you want to rescue a, uh, somebody that is drowning, does anybody, what's the, at what point do you come in to rescue the person? When the person has stopped struggling with the water. Because if you go and pick the person when he's still struggling, how many people will die? 
at least two people will die. But when the person has, I mean, has drank enough water and is about to give up, then you can jump in and do what? And bring the person out. Brethren, it is physical, it is spiritual. When you get to the point of total surrender, when you tell the Lord, I give up. I give up. Like the song the choir sang, absolutely nothing without you. In other words, if you don't help me, nobody can help me and I can't help myself. When you get to that point, total surrender, then you begin to see the things that are before you that you could not see. Do you, do you know that is possible? Something is before you. You are looking at it. But you cannot do what? You can't see it. Because your eyes are covered with your obsession. In the book of Genesis, chapter 15, I believe, the topic we are looking at today is total surrender. Total surrender to God brings recovery. Last week we looked at total surrender to God brings what? Victory. Today we are saying it brings what? Recovery. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 to 14, God was speaking to Abraham. It wasn't even Abraham yet. He was still known as Abraham. And the Lord said, Of a surety your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And they will serve them. And they shall afflict them 400 years. Now look at verse 14. It said, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And that's an assurance to someone here today. It's, it's not possible that they will just cheat you forever. God is saying, the nation that you are serving, he will do what? He will judge. He will judge. He said, and afterward, shall they come out with what? Great substance. Great substance. So when you have gone through the situation you are going through at the moment, the Lord is telling someone here that great substance awaits you. I say great substance awaits you. Because our God is a God of judgment. Because he will judge. Because there shall be recovery. And you will obtain that total recovery in Jesus' name. So this was God talking to Abraham. And time passed. And then we came to a descendant of Abraham by name Joseph. Joseph was the first son of Rachel. Jacob's beloved wife. And she had a delay at childbirth. This delay was timely and worth it. In other words, the delay she had was planned to a point in time. Because the child she had proved that, I mean, her delay was not ordinary. She had a child that was both a child of destiny and a child of prophecy. Does that make sense? A child of destiny because he was the one that God used to save his people. He was the one that God used to save Egypt. He became the most popular uh, uh, son of Jacob in his lifetime. A child of prophecy because the prophecy that God gave to Abraham was fulfilled in Joseph. Joseph was the one that moved that prophecy forward. From the level of nomadic life in Canaan to the place where, I mean, uh, where they got to Egypt. Initially it was easy. Then the Egyptians began to show their true color. You know that passage that says, weeping may endure for a night. But what happens? Joy comes in the morning. 
Brethren, when Israel got to Egypt, was it easy or was it difficult? Was it easy or difficult when, they go, when Israel got to Egypt? It was easy. When they got to Egypt, they had the best part of Egypt. The land of Goshen. Green grass and others were suffering. Every board member of the family was being fed. They were enjoying themselves. Until the Bible says a king arose who knew not Joseph. And brethren, the king that knew not Joseph was equally a king that came to do what? To fulfill prophecy. If there had not been a king that knew not Joseph, what would have happened to Israel? They would, they would destroy God's plan in Egypt. They wouldn't leave the place. Even with all the hardship that they went through, when they got to the wilderness, what were they saying? They were missing the cucumber, the garlic. Imagine, of all good things, those are the things they were missing. They wanted to go back in spite of all the hardship. And before you start saying those, those Israelites were, they were stiff naked, you are worse than them. How do you know that? We have the Bible, we have testimonies, we have divine experience, yet we don't obey God. So before you start condemning them, the Bible says, examine yourself and do what? See that you are in the faith. They go to Egypt because Joseph went ahead of them. And when it was time for them to leave Egypt, God made life difficult for them. It wasn't any king. It was God. And some of us are going through difficult times right now because it's time for you to move to the next level. But if you don't go through the hardship you are going through, what will you do? You will sit down. You will sit down like, like, like uh, Brother Peter on the month of transfiguration. He told Jesus, he said, now that we are here, let us do what? Let us make three boots. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Elisha. Let's just sit down here. Forget about heaven. Forget about the rest of your assignment. Forget about why you came to earth. That's what many of us will do. That's what Israel would have done in Egypt. But God brought the hardship that made them realize that this place is not your home. You know, like that song that uh, Z. Jim Reeves? This world is not my home. I'm just what? I'm just passing through. Do you realize, brethren, that this world is not your home? Do you realize you are a stranger? You are just passing through this world? Do you realize that there is something called eternity? Do you realize there is a place called heaven where eternity is actualized? Do you realize if you don't make it to heaven, it means eternal damnation in hell? That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. I said that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So Joseph was an answer to prayers. There was a delay in his birth. But one day God remembered Rachel. And she gave birth to Joseph. God will remember you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I say he will remember you in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray for someone in our midst today. Whatever it is you've been asking of the Lord, he will answer you today in Jesus' name. Joseph was not, I mean, just a son of uh, Jacob. He was the 11th son of Jacob. And that's very significant. The meaning of the name Joseph is 
The Lord shall add. The Lord shall do what? The Lord shall add. And I pray for someone in our midst today. Every goodness you desire, God will add unto you. Amen. When Rachel said, the Lord shall add unto me, she wanted another son. Did she get one or not? She did. She did. Every good thing that you desire, God will add unto you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, his name meant the Lord will add. But he was the 11th son of, of Jacob. And being the 11th son, Bible scholars make us to understand that number 11 is the number for judgment. It's the number for what? Judgment. And if you look at the life of Joseph, everyone that thought they had cheated him, what happened to them? Everyone, look at the life of Joseph. Every, his brothers, were they judged or not? The dream they were going to prevent from coming to pass, did it come to pass or not? Even after Jacob died, all of them all came and said, okay, oh, we remember the dream you said, oh, now we have come. They all came and lay flat before him and say, your father said before he died that you should have mercy upon us. They were lying, of course. And the man said, am I God? God brought me here for a purpose. The purpose has been fulfilled. The dream came to pass the first day they met him in Egypt. The dream came to pass after their father had died. Your dream will come to pass. Amen. Somebody does not like that prayer. I say your dream will come to pass. Amen. The arrival of Joseph in Egypt marked the beginning or the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham that we referenced in Genesis above. It's very important. It's very important. Jacob thought his son has died. As he was made to believe by his other sons. When you go to Genesis 37, from verse 31 to verse 35. Genesis 37 from verse 31 to 35. You see how the sons of Jacob deceived him. And said, Joseph was dead. But Joseph was not dead. He was on a journey to fulfill destiny. That the prophecy of Abraham, which was transferred to Jacob, might be fulfilled. And I want to speak to somebody's life here today. Your dream is not dead. Your goal is not dead. Your mission is not dead. It shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Look at some of the things that Joseph went through. Look at some things he went through. He went through envy. The Bible says his brothers envied him. You know, many at times, people envy you, you don't know why. It's because you don't know what God has deposited in you. But they see it. They see it. At that point in time, all that the brothers of Joseph knew was that his father loved him. He bought him a coat of many colors. And the man began to have dreams. To have dreams. And he didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. It was good he told his father. Then he went and told his brothers. So Joseph went through envy. He went through the pit. He went through what? The pit. He went through slavery. He went through sister Potiphar. I mean, is she a sister or not? She said, sister, there are many Potiphar's in the church. Uh, he went through sister Potiphar. He went through false accusations. He went through what? False accusations. 
Some of us might have experienced this. Where you are working because you are industrious, because you are doing very well, somebody just rises up against you. Somebody just hates you. Somebody just wants you out. And they begin to cook up allegations against you. You are not the first. Neither will you be the last. But you will overcome. Amen. I said you will overcome. Amen. I said you will overcome. Amen. I remember a, a, a friend of mine. I don't know if I call him a friend or a colleague. We worked together in Aswanasi when I was in Nigeria. And maybe I was a year after I came to Canada. He also came to Canada. He was landed. And he got a good job in one of these, uh, uh, I don't want to mention the name of the company, but I know the company. That company also exists in Nigeria. He got a good job in the accounts department there. And very brilliant young man. He was doing very well. But then his boss became afraid of him. And began to suppress him. And the boss did not see anything. But he was doing some things. Because he thought this brother was going to do what? Take over his position. And brethren, it happens everywhere. Until this brother got a job in another company. Then that boss opened up to him. And said, the reason I did this and this and this was because I thought you were going to take over my job. He opened up. He told him. Now he's no longer our staff. I'm not afraid of him again. Many will not talk. But they will act it. But you are a child of destiny. Somebody does not believe that. I said you are a child of destiny. And you will fulfill destiny in Jesus' name. Joseph went through many false accusations. He went through the prison. He became an interpreter of dreams in the prison. But eventually, tell somebody eventually. Eventually, he got to where God was leading him. When it was time for Jacob to reunite with his beloved Joseph, he delayed. Take note of that. He did what? And for as long as he delayed, due to a lack of surrender, that reunion will not be. And that's the passage that we read. In Genesis 43, verses 2 and 3. Genesis 43, verses 2 and 3. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when they had eaten of the corn which they brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us little food. And Judah said, The man suddenly protested unto us, saying, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. Why? He wanted to see his younger brother. The only person that they were, he was the same father, same mother with. They did not know they were talking to Joseph. But Joseph knew who he was talking to. And he told them, bring my brother. Of course, he didn't tell them, he didn't say to them that way. Bring that to your younger brother. You say he's still alive. If you don't bring him, you will not see my face. Then look at the statement that Judah made in verse 10. He said, for except we had lingered, surely now we will have returned this second time. If only when it was time to surrender, Jacob had surrendered, not to his sons, but to God. Realizing that everything was in God's hands, he would have expedited his reunion. Because brethren, that was all. He, he believed that his son was dead. But the only thing that could give him life was to know that Joseph was still alive. And that's what led us to verse 14. 
where he made that statement. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. But he wasn't bereaved of his children. All his 12 sons buried him. Brethren, we've said this so many times. You cannot trade with God and lose out. I, I hope that's a, com a correct interpretation of a Nigerian statement, of a Yoruba statement. Did I get it? Somebody help me. You cannot do business with God. Maybe that's a better way to put it. You cannot do business with God and, and lose out and make losses. Your business with God will always be profitable. God was taking them somewhere. When they came back and they told Jacob, Joseph is alive. Say what? He fainted. Say Joseph is alive. He is governor over the whole of Egypt. He is the one that has been sending food that has been doing all these things that we've been telling you about. He said, it is enough. My son is alive. I will go and see him. Before what? Before I die. His life was a life of agitation from one level of agitation to the other. Was it necessary, brethren? It wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. God had spoken before he was born that the younger shall what? The younger shall be greater than the older. The older one will serve the younger. All this strife, all the agitation, all this scheming was not necessary. Because come to think of it, while the two of them were still alive, they were both very great. Is that not so? Be, while, uh, I mean, uh, what's it? while Jacob was still grappling with a uh, uh, little boy and all those things, the Bible says Esau was already a nation. In spite of the fact that he didn't get the blessing from his father, he was already a nation. There was no need for the strife, for the, all the uh, backstabbing and leg cutting and all those things. And many of us, that's what makes us to miss out. When we have opportunity to help our brethren, we fail to do so because we think if I help him, he'll be greater than me. At the end of the day, we achieve nothing. Absolutely nothing. Somebody here will repent in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, repent. Don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, pastor says, repent. It's very important. We must help each other because the way we are looking at things is not the way they are. Brethren, Jacob and Esau will have died in their own time, established and great. But God chose Jacob because of Jesus. I hope you realize that. God chose Jacob because of Jesus, not because he wanted to destroy Esau. It's like uh, Ishmael. Ishmael is still alive up till today. God did not plan to, God said, I will bless Ishmael because of who? Because of Abraham. All the backstabbing and all, it's not necessary. Total surrender. If you surrender to God, he will make you a blessing. He will make you what? A blessing. Not only will he make you a blessing, he will make you a channel of blessing. Well, thank God for God. He's a God of grace. See, when you hear uh, uh, people talking about the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob is a God of what? Grace. 
in spite of everything that Jacob did, God was still proud to be associated with Jacob. He experienced that grace of the God of Jacob in his later days. He stopped fighting for himself and allowed God to fight for him. You may not know what the future holds, but you know him who owns or holds the future. There is a God that owns the future. There is a God that holds the future. And that is the God that demands nothing else from you today but what? Total surrender. But I don't say you surrender to man. Not to any man, but to God. So that your days of striving will be over. You know, when we were in the school of disciples, one of the things we learned is that the eagle flies with what? With the wind. The eagle is very wise. It flies with the wind. It will look at the direction of the wind and begin to do what? Fly in that direction. So it, it's not exerting any energy. It's the wind that is doing what? That is carrying it. That is the way it is. When you surrender to God, you fly with the wind. The wind of the spirit does what? Carries you. Lifts you up to heights that no one can propel you. And when the wind of the spirit carries you to that height, can anybody stop you? It's not possible. It's not possible. You are flying with the wind of the Holy Spirit. With the unction from above. You begin to do some things that people think are impossible. You begin to do some things and people, well, how is he doing it? And then they try to copy you. And what happens? What happens? They fail woefully. Because you are flying on the cusp of the wings of the Most High. Remember that, uh, is it uh, uh, Exodus 19 verse 4, right? Yeah, that's why we're going to stop. Exodus 19 verse 4. And then we'll take a few prayer points. Exodus 19 verse 4. Can you please show it for us? Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. He said, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. How I bear you on what? On equal swings. And I brought you unto myself. I bear you. I carried you. I enabled you to flow in the direction that it will be easy with you. Somebody was saying, I don't know, was it yesterday? Somebody was saying something. He said, look, it's not how much work you do that makes you to prosper. True or false? The most hardworking people in the world, they are in uh, Oshodi in Nigeria. Yeah, there's nobody more hardworking than them. They are in, in uh, what's that place in Lagos? Moshin, Abba, Idumota. They will carry a bag of rice on their head. They will be pulling one with their hand. That is Superman Kiliwi. What do they, what do they have for it? Except God intervenes. That is not what makes wealth. That is not what gives wealth. But if you allow God to make a way for you, like he wants to make a way for someone here. Hallelujah. If you allow God to open the door for you, like he wants to give somebody here a testimony. Hallelujah. If you can surrender to him and say, Lord, I yield to you. Take me to where you are taking me. I hope that is correct English. Take me to the location you have destined for me. You will testify. Amen. I said you will testify. Amen. I said you will testify. Amen.